Welcome to this Tuesday Talk episode of Born in Trouble. I'm your host, John X, with the illustrious Mr. Robert Brooks. And today, in honor of LGBTQ Month, we have Mr. Carlos Lopez. One of Brentwood's finest. The queen of Brentwood, honey. Live and... The queen of Brentwood it is. The queen of Brentwood it is. See, see now, see now. I've already I've got confusion because you're the karaoke queen, karaoke no, king, the, but the, the prince, Brentwood, the prince, the no. prince. Okay. Yes. Yes. But back in the day, I was known as the queen. Ah, uh, yes. So, born in trouble, a show that is known to have more than its share of testosterone overflowing is bringing you the special conversation. It's not really special. What it is is actually a normal conversation. And Carlos is someone that I've known for a very long time, full disclosure. Carlos and I met in junior high school when we were both in chorus. That's right. Whenever whenever I sing you people off on this show, it's because it's a trained voice that you're listening to. Hannah Tufka. Remember that? You see? Remember that? Ah, uh-huh. see? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's what You're giving have. me flashbacks. There you go. We're having flashbacks. Mr. Pace. <laughs> That's right. Mr. Pace. So, Carlos, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm uh, alive and well and just hanging out in my nice, humble apartment in Tampa, Florida. Loving it. Loving my Yankees. And living life. Yankees are playing quite well these days. Yes, they are. They uh, they look like monsters right now. Oh yeah, I knew that eventually that would come. <laughs> well, I know it's hard for some people to believe that members of that community actually like baseball, but Carlos has actually been the manager and the star pitcher of the Jokers in Tampa, Florida, for a number of years. So. Are you retired now? You don't play anymore? You don't coach anymore? Um, well, no. I mean, I, I announced my retirement, but uh, since they suspended the manager, um, I, it looks like I'll be taking the reins this season for the season. He's suspended for a year. <laughs> a year? <laughs> uh, well, for a, a full season, because wow. he, he basically called it, called out a bigoted member of our league and um he used his his pretty much his facebook to call it out Mm. and they suspended him for it Mm. bigoted how so but but yet but yet they allow oh from from uh putting up and mind you this was the treasurer of the non-for-profit league that we sit on, which when you sit on a non-for-profit 401c3 non-for-profit, you kind of have to be neutral. Um, He, (laughs) now get this, John, he's a gay male who does not identify with anything transgendered, nothing, Mm. and just completely bashes it and puts misleading information out there um, so 
basically the organization that I belong to, which is uh, the Sunco Softball League, allowed the face of hate to sit on their board mm. without saying anything to anybody. And they knew about it for two years. Wow. And then he started revealing himself. So we had had an issue on the field with uh, one of the other managers. And, and all of a sudden, you know, um, we weren't in the wrong. They miscalled one of our players who identifies as transgendered was never, he never came out as transgendered in the league, but he goes by not his given name. He goes by his chosen name. Hmm. So, um, and everybody only knows him by his chosen name. So when they miscall that, the umpire can't pretty much since we had a illegal player, which is a crock of bullshit. It wasn't an illegal player. The player happened to be, uh, we put his name down as his chosen name, which the league knows that he goes by that name. Has it been legally changed yet? No. But in the same token, that's nobody's business. Right. And it's gay softball, for Christ's sake. It's a mm. gay league. Right. Um, so uh, we've had, previous to that, we've had many transgenders that have come through um, the league, and their names were put you know, put down as their chosen name, mm -hmm. um, not their given name. So all of a sudden it became an issue. And then they came after the jokers because of course, being on top, you know, of the league for the last three years, I mean, we develop our players, players who have been gay, who wanted to play baseball young, but couldn't, um, you know, because whatever the reasons, um, or they were made fun of or whatever. Um, so when they started going after Michael, who is the manager of the Jokers, they went after him. They just started going after him and saying stuff. And, and it was like, so I had to fight back. But in the same token, I had to stay silent because they had issued the suspension. Oh, wow. Um, so I was the next pretty much in command. And then, you know, as Michael got angrier, because, I mean, we've raised the most money out of any team for the league. We go out of our way. We, I mean, pretty much we did, we kept the league afloat for many years. And then all of a sudden, Mike started getting private messages from previous commissioners about Lonnie's post. And, um, which was the secretary. And then they started sending him screenshot after screenshot. So he called it out. So they chose to suspend him till next season. So that's how I am placed, was kind of forced to come out of retirement to, to pretty much come back. I'm not gonna play as much. So I'm gonna be manage, uh, managing and coaching the, 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 the team, you know? Well, welcome back to the league. It sounds like they actually need you. And it just goes to show that just like in every group that's marginalized, we all have our problematic members 
of that group. Absolutely. And that reminds me of like, when you were saying that, I I just like automatically the term that flashed in my head was self-hating Negroes because they behave in a similar way, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's like there's no reason for that whatsoever. And this is what we try to express in Born in Trouble is that people are generally the same across the board, how Mm -hmm. you identify in a lot of these things. It sounds to me like, and what you just described is, it's an issue that was more based upon the hatred of your team and the success of your team, as opposed to what his gender is or her gender. I don't know how, I don't know how that person identifies, but it's just like, it just goes to show you. Yeah, it just goes to show you that it's just it's just messed up everywhere. So, Carlos, like, these people don't know you. And I know, Rob, that he had said that he wanted to definitely be in on this Tuesday talk with you because we've known you for a long time. And where we come from, there weren't pretty much any people that were openly gay from a young age. And you were. And, you know, like, Rob, you had a question you wanted to ask towards that? Well, I mean, I... I, I... So, I mean, you never, like, as far as I know, you never said, hey, I'm gay. But at the same time, you weren't necessarily hiding it either. Correct. Like, Correct. you were just, you were just you. You were out and free. Um, heck, I don't know how much money you raised uh, singing love songs on Valentine's Day to people. Uh, but I know I employed your services more than a few times during high school. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the hell got to get paid. What what was that? Growing, you know, living in a community that was very Latin, a lot of machismo. What was that like? Like, did you feel ostracized? Did you? Was it? Was everybody just cool? Like, I, I know there was a lot of slurs that flew around, but I and I know I use them sometimes. Right. Uh, But I learned the slurs before I even knew what they meant. There, there were. But they never affected me because mm-hmm. I didn't allow somebody's, I would say, uh, of not having knowledge or judging somebody for who they love. So I would just share my love to them, you know, and give them my love. That conquered my heart from being rotted to the core. I became kind of like the voice of the people who didn't have the voice. Um, although I never really said it, I didn't hide it. And at one point I didn't know where I wanted to go. Just like I had told John, many people consider me gay because I'm not the most masculine guy in the world, but in the same token, I, I identify as gender neutral because I I, I don't love a gender, a specific gender. And it took me this many years to know that. So Whoever the person is, their equipment don't matter to me. Mm-hmm. See, it's funny. You said that you don't, you're not the most masculine person. Um, some people would say that you're gay because you're not the most masculine person. And yet, my memory of you is that you were someone who almost always stood up immediately for what was right and never oh, held absolutely. your tongue, which is very, which is a very masculine trait like you you saw something was wrong you immediately identified it and you didn't take shit from anybody right right so and, and that was that's that masculine. was 
that's right. considered masculine, I would say. Absolutely, but in the eyes of others, mm -hmm. I'm not the most masculine, mm -hmm. you know, or, or their judgment of me. I, I know who I am, I know what I am, and I know who I love, you know? So my masculinity, I, if it was ever questioned, I would laugh at the person and be like, you gotta get to know me to understand me, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because right. I'm a whole, I'm a whole big pot of soup, and then some, <laughs> with a little rice, and some fried chicken, and some cornbread. So come on with it, baby. And I'm, I'm as sweet as pie. One, one of the things like I learned from being around you, you know how your personality is and how you affect people, and you know you were really like my one of my first teachers. You're my first real exposure to the gay community, you know, what they, but they didn't call it that at that time. They called it, it, it was whatever it was. And I learned, and because of that, because of my interactions with you, I feel like I, I feel like it made me a better person. It made me a, right. a better all around person, whereas I could have gone to this. And I still like, like Rob said before, beforehand, most of the, the, uh, takes that we have to cut out of this are basically because of my off-color jokes that I sometimes make. But there's a difference between telling a joke and actually, like, going out and oppressing. And, you know, I don't want that... I don't even want that to be misconstrued in the wrong way because I'm talking about sexual things. And as we were having a conversation yesterday, you came out and you said something very raunchy, and I thought it was funny as hell because that's just my sense of humor. <laughs> It's just my sense of humor. And being reintroduced to you as a young man in his 20s, you know, after we go to college, just before the internet, going home one day and turning on the Ricky Lake show and seeing Carlos in drag on the Ricky Lake show. And I just smiled and I laughed and everything. I said, of course, of course. It would be him. What was it like being in that New York City scene at that time, being who you are? and actually getting recognition for it. Oh, God. Whew. I mean, I, I'm already retired 20 years from doing drag. Um, uh, it was an adventure. Um, you know, before RuPaul became big. I, you know, I saw RuPaul as the, the boy in the dress, you know, um, mm. because, boy, she was just tall, lanky, and, you know, and I was already at, at my tipping point, watching all these people develop and, and just come into their own, um, running into Madonna, doing a, a, a line of cocaine in the, in the bathroom <laughs> with Jelly Bean Benitez, you know? Um, you know, Great times. As Great I'm times. trying to put my, as I'm trying to put my prosthetics in my, you know, in my gown that I'm yeah. about to go perform, you know? Um, so I'm like giving this diva a prosthetic to hold on to. I'm like, hold my tit for a minute, you know, because <laughs> I'm putting the other one in, you know. And she's like, she's like looking at me like, really? I'm like, sorry. And I was like, thank you, <laughs> you know. Um, to then again meeting her 15 years later as I'm dancing with 5,000 gay men and women at the Roxy on a Saturday night, and here comes Madonna, and I. Now I'm completely out of drag, and again, that that masculine side of Carlos was there. You know, I had a cowboy hat. I, I was dressed to the nines, you know, 
and I'm I was friends with all of the security guards there. So one of the security guards said, "Hey, come stand by me, so that way you're close by." Because I mean, they know that a superstar is coming. They don't announce who it is at the Roxy. That's how they used to do it. And it was when she released her disco album, um, Madonna. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, so who is it? And he's like, ah, you'll know as soon as, you know. I said, oh, God, Chanel number five. That's all I smelled. I said, it's fucking Madonna. Because <laughs> <laughs> she loves Chanel number five. And that's all you could smell. I'm like, oh, God, it's Madonna. And he goes, God, what did you know that? I'm like, her fucking perfume. I mean, everybody could smell it, you know? Right. <laughs> um, so as she's doing her, her thing with the record release, she comes up to me and she's like, oh, and she remembers me. She's like, you're my titty queen. <laughs> I'm like, now, mind you, at the time, nobody knew at the Roxy when I'm in. Uh, what's funny is a lot of people never saw me out of drag when I went to a show. So they never knew what I looked like as a male out of out of drag. Right. Because I went into my shows through the back entrance and I left through the back entrance. Right. And she was able to make the connection. So you made, you obviously made an impression upon her. Yep. 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 So from there, that very night, I met Bono from U2 and spent 10 years with him as his pretty much his sidekick. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Um, Traveled with him and everything else. And then that's when I started retiring. And then I broke up with my partner. So, and here I am in Tampa, Florida. Well, in so, the deep south. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, that period in time was not, I mean, it's never been easy to be gay. But that particular time when we were sort of coming of age was the age of AIDS. Oh, yeah. How did and that? I- play into the whole thing because i remember i was i used to have really bad sinuses i had infections all the time and so i got this doctor in new york city and one of the first things he did was you know because he saw me like four times in two months he's like all right we got to get you an aids test and back then it was like a three-week wait for the result and that still might be the three longest weeks of my fucking life oh absolutely because at the time it was a death sentence you and 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 it was like Wait a minute, what the fuck? What what you know, and the everything about it was in mystery and clouds. But how did that impact your journey at that point? The one I, I think the one saving grace for me was um at the time I was so anti drug and being in the nightlife and seeing people just go down the tubes so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think I've been to more funerals because I know so many damn people, you know that it made me that survivor to uh, to help other people get through the beginnings of AIDS, you know? Um, and, and not that we're at an ending, but we're at a stage where if you're, if you're taking your medication one pill a day from 100, um, one of my friends had the most impacting funerals that I've ever been to. There was a, I would say... A, a big wall-sized picture of him. He held on to all of his empty bottles <sighs> since he started his, his AIDS medication. 
it covered two uh two two tables put together with his arms wrapped around them and that was a picture that they showed at his memorial wow that was the most impacting thing and to watch it go from that picture to one bottle or one, one pill a day to where you become you know undetectable and you and you could be with somebody who is negative and not harm them or they decide okay let me go on prep just as a secondary they you know the partner who is negative can go on prep and even though you're positive and you're undetectable you have the zero chance of possibility of transmitting that has come such a long way from the time when we were younger That's you know i mean so being a pioneer and and wearing my heels to raise a million dollars for the gay men's health crisis that was my mission mm. um and i did that by donating all of my tips by fundraising, by you know, that was me, because I'm a true Pisces through and through. Like I was born on Elizabeth Taylor's birthday. I mean, come on! I mean, <laughs> I had to be a queen that long. I mean, she was the queen of queens, you know. Right. The queen of you know <laughs> of, of every '80s TV show, and everybody's you know. They love this. Uh, it was like fall, fall. Yeah, they love Bliss. So did so. Richard Burton. Um, and numerous other men. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. But y'all, if you, well, if, if you if don't you know have, anything about that, if you don't know anything about that, just keep listening because you might learn something about history. <laughs> she, she must have had, what, 12 husbands? I'm working on 15. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and now we're back. And we're back. But you've always been, you've always been so, you've always been so lively. You've always had such a positive attitude. And there's a lot of people out there in the world that would like to see that positivity and that attitude and that, that light that you could actually, that you bring to the world and that people in your community bring to the world, um, like squash completely and totally. I really don't understand it because I don't understand how you're going to possibly kill something that has been a part of humans as a species since the beginning of time. And when I look mm -hmm. at stuff like this Idaho gay pride event, where they caught these 31 members of the Patriot front going to getting ready to basically go out and start a fight at a pride event and everything. What is it that makes people so unhappy that they feel like this is like a, a, a positive endeavor of time? You know, something that we would actually do. It's like, you got to be a real special dick, basically, to get out there and decide that you just want to go and fuck with somebody else's good time. Just so. Sorry about that. Um, but that that pretty much leads us into, we're in the Pride Month, June. Um, on the 12th was uh, the anniversary of Pulse. Um, I had nine friends taken down. At two o two in the morning, by mm. you okay? Yeah, I'll be okay. By an assault rifle of somebody who was filled with so much hate, and 
But I forgive him. Mm. I forgive him because he was taught wrong. And although my friends didn't have a fighting chance, I have one surviving friend who had to cover himself in the blood of of others to make believe he was dead. And I still have him and and I I treasure him. Um it's it's uh, sorry guys. No, no, you don't have to apologize. You have nothing to you don't apologize, apologize for. for being human around here. No. Um but um but keeping the forty nine angels alive, we keep dancing. So in the face of hate, we keep dancing. Um you'll see that a lot with that surrounds uh pulse um uh, or you mattered because everyone matters mm. even the shooter mm. the problem with this is gun control mm. a big huge topic happening now because the same people that are sitting there sh- shining their guns are the same ones that are going to be worried about their child in elementary school being shot down. Mm. But yet they're sitting there shining their guns. There's no common sense. It's not, it's not, it makes no sense. My friends were out dancing, having a good time on, on, on Latin hip hop night in a gay bar where it's the safest zone, the straightest of men that would go into Pulse or any gay bar for that matter um, would say, wow, I could be myself here. I could be comfortable. The uptight ones would say, oh, God, I'm going to get hit on. Baby, you ain't that cute. (laughs) That's Rob. You know, that's how Rob um, Rob would feel. (laughs) You know, you're not. I always got to give it Rob. Rob is cute. Okay. <laughs> He's gonna get hit on anywhere. Rob gets hit, hit right. on in the middle of the sea by dolphins. We all know that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> it's right speaking to a dolphin to him. <laughs> but but um you know, I mean going back to a point that Rob was making that that you know sometimes in the times that we grew up, did I ever have to defend myself? Yes, I had to defend myself, but I also had to defend those who couldn't defend themselves. Mm. And I'm good with work. So there was a, a good example of that is you know I was at a straight bar, I hadn't fully come out yet, and and one guy I was playing pool and whooping his ass. You know he goes, you know I got a cousin like you. You know mm. he goes, but don't touch me. I looked at him. I said, I was like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? Touch you. Mm -hmm. He goes, well, you know, you know how you roll. I said, how do I roll? Tell me, how do I roll? Mm. Because you're about to get school. He goes, oh, don't fuck with me like that. Don't fuck with me. I don't fuck like that. I'm like, um, excuse me. Um, if your dick isn't longer than your balls when it's soft, Lower your motherfucking voice Ooh. when you talk to me. <laughs> oh. Oh. Ouch. Oh. Ouch. Can you say ouch? Can we get an ouch out there in the crowd? Ouch. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? No, 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 that's fine. 
No, that's fine oh, because we. No, no, that's fine. But you, but you went, you went right after it. You were like, "Yo, we are not. We're gonna." It was like sort of skipping from the "I dare you" to the "Triple Dog Dare." Like exactly. you cut out all the middle bullshit. And you know, went right after it. Went right to the small finger. So right to the I'm, small finger. I'm, right. So, so I, I can go there. Um, I, I can cut with words, but I can also use my fist. I can defend myself. I'm not afraid. I, I normally talk somebody down first before it even gets there. Mm. So I've had maybe two fights in my life. Um, Cause uh, you know, I just talk them down because I'm not backing down. I'm that crazy bitch that will go for it. Let's go. You are from Brentwood. And you Absolutely. Know, a, a lot of times when, a lot of times when you're dealing with people like that, what you're dealing with is, um, a, a physical form of latent homosexuality. A lot of these these people that are, I always feel like, whenever I hear people talking like that, I always feel like, okay, you've got something in your closet that you are afraid to open up that door. But there's, right. And I think that's probably about, you know, this would get me in fights too. That's probably about 90% of mm-hmm. people I feel like that come aggressive towards the gay community. And we're looking at, like, you know, you live in a state where, you know, even after Pulse in Orlando, you have don't say gay laws in Florida. You know what I'm saying? They just, like, turn that shit around completely and totally. And then what you were describing, what happened in in your league and everything with this this individual and everything, it's like, how do we, how do we not make this an issue? You know, because to me, to me, whenever I see people going at it over these things, one way or the other, it's like, I look at the points on both sides, but I really just wish it wasn't a conversation. Because to me, and then like some people say, just wishing that it wasn't a conversation is like oppression itself. But no, it's not to me, because when I see people, I just treat them the way that they that they respond to me. Because I know that Absolutely. there are shitty people in the black community. There are shitty people in the white community. No matter what you, we can just go all the way down the line, Republican, Democrat. There's a, it's just like the guy you were describing in your league. That's someone I would have no use for. So I'm not really interested in him telling me that, well, you may not have a use for me because I'm gay. I'm like, no, I, I know it's, I don't have a use for you because of you. You I are like, basically, you're a hater. You hate yourself. And I always tell people, like, I don't like anybody that dislikes themselves. Like, I love you, Carlos, oh. you know, because you love who you are and everything. You embraced that a long time ago. You let that go. And you've taught all of us along the way how these things Absolutely. are supposed to go and everything. But these other people, a lot of these other people out here, they're fighting these, they're fighting these fights and... And these demons, and we're armed, like you said, it's a gun thing. They're armed. You know, you're you're angry Correct. at yourself, and you're going out, and you're armed, and everything. And nobody wants to have a conversation about it because thinking is bad now. Talking is bad right. now. I I don't get this. I don't understand what's the what's going to be the end. What's the end game for all of this? A, a famous T.D. Jakes uh, quote that I always use, progress does not occur without change. And I, I, I live by that. You can't have progress without change. And change needs to happen. Um, you know, 
me trying to convert somebody? Mm. Uh, uh, excuse me? Um, or me being a pedophile? Or, mm. oh, don't let your kids near him. Uh, what? I hate that. You better watch your, you better watch your local priest, honey. Mm. You better watch your local pastor. You know the part the parts in the middle of the hair of the child? That was the priest petting him down while he made him force stuck in his dick. Mm. That was a part in the middle of, of that altar boy's hair. You know, uh, that's the way I look at things sometimes, you know, mm. because I mean, <laughs> don't nobody you know, want to talk about that, though. You no, know? not but, at all. No, not at all. But but yet the church is quick. I, I just saw a post uh, from an actor from t- 2019 that a bishop, a Catholic bishop was promoting to not go to any gay pride events. All the while. How long ago was it that the Catholic Church was under investigation for pedophilia? All the time. All the damn time. They're still in. How many priests had to had to be ushered off to other areas of the of the church because they were under investigation? Yeah, and how about the fact that they didn't they didn't get rid of them? They just put them in another place. Correct. Like Correct. They were so worried about it. Exactly. 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 So, you know, uh, what progress could we have without changing gun law? You know, uh, they need to change because when one individual can outblast an entire police department, Mm. that's a problem. That's a problem. One person or or like when the riots were going on, um, that one kid that, that started shooting off just random people. And he got off sky free. Why? Why? Mm. If it would have been me or you, we would have been oh. in jail. We would have catched a felony. Absolutely, and they, you know, but they applied the law differently for different people. Absolutely. We had a case down here in Philly. This um, this real estate developer was well to do, out partying, got a little coked up, car gets stuck in an alley. It's in an argument. There's a delivery guy. Guy pulls, guy, you know, they're about to fight. Guy pulls out a knife. Delivery guy pulls out a knife. And so the developer goes and tries to tackle this guy with a knife, gets stabbed, dies. So now they're blaming this kid. I'm like, wait a minute. If I pull out a knife, I can't do shit to you unless you come near me or I advance to you. If you run at me and get stabbed, that's your fault. But Correct. because the kid was black and the developer was white, they charge this kid with second degree. Mm. In a case where, yo, it's, if no, when he pulled the knife out, the guy should have just got back in his car and shut the fuck up. But he was coked up. He was drunk and he was coked up. So he thought he was going to take somebody down. Right. But the way they apply the laws in America, the way they apply logic here in America, you know, Florida, a lot of these places in the South, they're out there canceling books. We can't have them reading this. We can't have them reading that. Wait a minute. You've been, you've been having us read straight books forever, quote-unquote straight books forever. Ain't stop nobody from being gay. Right. So why, why are these five books going to make people gay? How is this grooming them to become something? No, it's just informing them of the way the world works. This has been around since before any of us were here, and we'll be here long after. There's no legislating this way. This, these are people. Colors, gender preferences, all that stuff. That's just people. 
Well, it and goes, how it is that they're trying to legislate some of this stuff out is just baffling to me. Well, it goes back to what Grant always says about the 85s and how the 85s are basically led by whatever, in whatever direction, the powers that be lead them in. And uh, they don't want those outliers coming out, those people to actually understand by reading a book about the black community, about the Latino community, about the gay community. Um, they don't want to, they don't want people understanding that these are people because it humanizes them. And what they're actually trying to do is dehumanize all of us and have us all at each other's throats. So I always say that the now, even the worst books in the world with the most stringent political and social economic points of view still need to be read and understood. It doesn't mean that automatically you're going to read that book and become that. It's meant for balance. You know, so I'm that's the reason why I'm against all cancel cultures. And people like they go, Oh, you're against cancel culture. Yay. You know, but they never acknowledge their part in the cancel culture. Right. That that yay comes with I don't want you reading about I don't want you hearing about Madonna in the eighties because Madonna was actually so LGBTQ friendly. That's part of that. Mm-hmm. Let's just squash her and cut her out of it. You know, and at the same time, then you got people on the, on a different extent wishing to get rid of other things. We need all that information. So that way you can make a decision. So we can all look at this information and say, okay, that was dumbass. That was dumbass. That was dumbass. Now let's come up with a new solution and move forward. So that's what I hope people get out of these shows. And at least the, these conversations that we have. I don't want to hear about feminist shit. I want to hear about masculine shit. I want to hear about black shit. I want to hear about Latino shit, white shit, white power, all those power dynamics and everything. The answer's somewhere in the middle. And everybody has to get along. Absolutely. You know? Now, do we have Absolutely. a problem? Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please, no, please, go ahead. I get to talk every week. Uh, You're a guest. I, I just, you know, exactly what you said is, is that I'd rather learn about everyone and how they are, um, you know, like during a piece of shit of the United States uh, president uh, mm. previous to the one we currently have. I learned about so many people's true feelings. Mm. Um, and so of eye awakening of, of their beliefs and, and what they always were. And I think we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, um, that people were given that green light to show who they truly are, mm. you know? And like I always say, listen, a, a wolf in, in sheepskin always reveals itself. Right. You know, well, you weren't racist just today. No, you've been racist your whole damn life. Well, basically, it makes <laughs> it allows for cowards to come out and do cowardly things together because that's essentially what they are. If you've been hiding for 50 some odd years that you actually feel this way. That's not an act of bravery. And you obviously well, knew that there was something wrong with your point of view or else we would have found out earlier. We would have known that before this time, before all of this 
Trump stuff. And I know you, like, I, I, like, I watched you on Facebook. We both used to be more active on Facebook than we are now. And I was watching some of those arguments and, you know me, I would jump in on anything, but you, you pretty, you had them all covered and everything. And you were, I was like, you know, he's seeing like these people that are in this community that are actually, they harbor these racist feelings. They harbor these hateful feelings. You know, the guy. And some of them were gay. It's, it's some of them were gay. Well, it doesn't. Well, that's what it comes down to. It's like, you know, a lot of people, they feel like it's always no matter what you are and everything, you're always better than being black. It's always better than no matter what it is. It's always the it's like the bottom of the totem pole. But then you look back in history and I don't want to get off on a tangent and everything, but you look back on history and all of the origins of all the civilization, it all comes from black knowledge. If you say it was the Greeks, the Greeks actually went to Alexandria and Timbuktu, these places with universities, to actually learn all their stuff. All that stuff goes back even further. You know, so you're in control now. But your theories right. but your theories are just basically they're whack. They're not based in facts. You know, a lot of archaeologists, you watch these movies. I was thinking about it the other day. I was watching this movie about this arc. It was like a, a 40s type movie because, you know, I love the old movies, especially the bad ones. The worse, the better. Because someone greenlit that mm-hmm. back in 1940 or 1950, whatever. They greenlit that show. And it was about archaeology. And really, they, they were never looking for archaeology. They've always been looking for knowledge. That's what they're mm-hmm. looking for. They're, looking for, they're not looking for artifacts of gold. If you want gold, the gold is basically in the, the veins are right through the lane. If you're looking for diamonds, certain countries, you can go walking barefoot and step on 100 diamonds that are uncut. You know, they, don't, they use them for different things. But it was never about that. It's always been about the knowledge. And if you go back in knowledge, you've had people, you've had LGBTQ even though they weren't called that back in BC. These mm-hmm. are things. So it's like, why are we, why are we even having these like discussions? So why, why do we have these discussions? Why? That's my, like exactly. my real question. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, it took the Stonewall rebellion and some drag Queens to be, you know, fight back, uh, for us to get a voice. Um, Still, till this day, people aren't welcome home for the holidays. Mm. Do, 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 I mean, do straight people not understand the impact of, of what they're doing to this child or to this individual? Mm. Um, you know, have I had doors slammed in my face? Absolutely. But you know what? <laughs> I say, you know, a great teacher is a great learner. Every great speaker is a great listener. I listen to people. I watch people. And I overstand them. How I overstand them is by watching everything they do and say. And if they can't look me in the motherfucking eyes like I do to everybody then I know it's not sincere. And I just, I side-eyed them. If you noticed any of my posts when I was so active on Facebook, I've, I've taken a break away um, just to kind of get back in my Zen box and do what I love to do. Um, 
it's just I would side eye some of these people. Right. And then I started getting filled with some of their hate. And I, I said, what am I doing? Mm. What am I doing? This is not they're getting me out of my comfort zone. I'm allowing them to infiltrate my happy zone and what my purpose is. My mm. purpose is to be a great teacher to those who are not educated. Mm. And to also be the voice for the people who don't think they have one because they do. That's a, that is fucking beautiful. It's fucking beautiful and true and right on point because um, I can't eat. There's nothing to expand upon with that. There really isn't. I, cause I know I, I've had periods of time when I felt the same way. And then you take a step back and you're like, you know what? This motherfucker ain't worth getting all riled up over. They're not. It's right. not worth your time. It's not worth your peace. And we've all got things out there that we love. So listen, this is a this is a Tuesday talk. I'm trying to keep these shorter than the normal episodes. Rob, do you have anything that you want to ask of Carlos before we wrap it up? Or I could ask Carlos Carlos a thousand questions. You know, just because first of all. When we when I when I come down for spring training next year, we're gonna have to figure out how we can how we can maybe we'll go over to Legends Field and chop it up. Uh, I work right in front of it. Do you really? I do. Wow. Trying to think, what's in front of it? Is that Spectrum? The what? It it used to be Spectrum Field. Yeah. Spectrum's right in front of it. Okay. I work right in front of it. Okay. Wow. Oh, so I'm over we, there a couple of times. We, I'm over there a couple been, times every March. We've been that close and never hooked up. What the hell? <laughs> I'm, so offended. <laughs> I'm offended, Rob. Yeah. I'm gonna hunt you down this coming March. It's coming. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna change that. We're gonna rectify that. Okay. Oh, you better you better pick me up in some sort of limo. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll promise to wear my red thong. Uh-oh. 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 But what were you saying though, Rob, though? Your question. Uh, you know, what? that was that was one thing. Because, you know, I, I've always done a bad job of sort of keeping contact with people. That's, you know, I just work and work and work and work. John knows that. I do. But, um, you know, if you were to... If you were given, if you were given the bully pulpit for 20 minutes what could we do to help get rid of some of this to help kill some of this conversation to help kill some of these attitudes like is there is there something that we can do stop sexualizing someone's life that's the first thing that comes to mind because people automatically think that it's a, a lifestyle uh, or that it's a, a sexual deviant. Stop. Stop. If I got laid as much as people think I get laid, I'd be one happy son of a bitch. <laughs> well, you know, you're in your 50s now. If you got laid that much, you just might be half dead. <laughs> I just started li- I just started living. Okay? So be careful. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've reached I've reached that age where sometimes I have to say, "Yo, babe, I'm fifty something." 
Yeah, it doesn't mean well, that, it doesn't well, mean as much as it used to. Um, but if I had that that twenty minutes, you know, just educate yourself before you speak. Um, have more compassion towards people. Uh, whatever happened to opening somebody's door? Whatever happened to lifting them up when they're down? Although. It somewhat still exists, but people are just so busy in their phones, in their everyday life, because you have so much access to so much stuff that communication has almost completely stopped. Uh. Rob, the thing here is, is you need to reach out to people and have that conversation, have those tough conversations, no matter who it embarrasses. And educate them and then love them and forgive them. Because without sickness, you know, without that illness that's out there, there'll be no healing, you know? So um, that's what I would I would say. I, I mean, I, I would need an hour because I'm so fucking long-winded. <laughs> um, but, you know, as they're pressing the music... Uh, for the Oscar award or the Emmy, um, I keep talking over it. That's that's the Brett Wood in there, you know. Yeah. Gotta um, love it. You know, but, but I'm gonna stay vigilant. Uh, uh, you know, in my fight, I know I won't conquer the world, but if I happen to change somebody's perspective and educate them, because. I don't hate anyone. I don't hate the people who doubted me or who called me faggot at school or growing up, my neighborhood, people around. You know, some of those people came out mm. after so many years of, of like you said, hiding it. Mm. The latency. Correct. So, it and they've apologized to me. I've had a plethora of messages of the I'm sorry mm. because they judged me or they, and it was, I said, I forgive you because if I can't forgive you, I will be miserable in my life. Mm. And that's not so what So by about. love and compassion, and you'll see many gay people or any LGBTQ people, love wins, period. Love wins any battle, any war, any disagreement that could possibly happen. My strong point was my foundation of my family, that both of my parents, when I finally came out in the 12th grade, they, I was, I'm sitting there boo-hooing, and they're over there, Charlie, you waited this long to tell us? <laughs> but always having my parents by my side, which a lot of the kids didn't, um, was my strong point, and that's where I built my strength from. My father accepting me a puerto rican you know the machismo like you said rob earlier that we grew up around 
for God's sakes, in eighth grade, I went as some old bride and I won the contest at school. I think there's a picture in the yearbook, in the Eastern High School yearbook that. with my leg. With my leg. So, you know, a lot of people said I've, I've changed a lot of perspective and a lot of, uh, I helped them understand, um, you know, me as a person, as an individual to accept. They, they don't, you know, stay out of my damn bedroom. Yeah. You know, just stay out of my bedroom. Yeah. You know, if you if you're interested, come join me. I'll teach you a lot. <laughs> but that versatility was talking about that earlier. versatility. Yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Well, thank Carl- you. Um, but but I just thank you for this this, this moment. I I didn't I didn't think I was going to get all emotional on you guys, but because uh, that's a very rare side of me that people see. Um, but I guess you know. It was a kind of a a moment for me. I appreciate you guys. Hey, I, I love you guys. Um, you've been a you have been my strength throughout all these years. Um, although we haven't been together, um, you know, just going back to the basics of us having this discussion is heartwarming to me and and uplifting in times that. Right now, they're so unsteady. So thank you guys for this platform. Um, thank you for celebrating me and and my community and and being understanding to it. Well, I have to say, I have to say, because I am going to wrap it up. Rob, you have something you want to say before I do wrap it up? Oh, go ahead. Do do your thing. Listen, um, we'll, we'll we'll have some post chat. Yeah, like I said, like I've known you for a long time, Carlos. You've always been, whether you knew it or not, you know, when it's, you've always been an inspiration to me. When I, when I first met you, I wasn't the most popular kid at that point in time. And I learned from what I took a lot of cues from watching you with dealing with people, honestly, with how you dealt with people who didn't accept you for what you were. It was like a very, you know, junior high school, it's all, it's all very awkward stuff. And, you know, these people... And these people, like, we're going, we're seeing this going through. It's a shame when they say that people are still in their adolescent stages to, like, 31 years old. Because we actually get to see, like, 24, 25, 26-year-old people going through these same changes that they should have went through decades ago. Or almost a decade ago. And you've always been an inspiration Mm -hmm. to me. How to deal with people, how... That no matter what, I always knew that they were going going to be people that didn't like you. You know, that's something that my mother told me, taught me. And then you Mm -hmm. go out and you're a real life example of no matter what, people just would never fucking give you the time of day or, you know, or they would say they would have bad things to say or bad comments or turn their heads and whatever. And I was like, I looked at you and I was like, man, he can handle it. We can handle it, too. So if you don't think that there are lessons to be learned from other people that are going through other changes, then you're just not looking at things from the right perspective. And I always respected the fuck out of you, Carlos. You know, I love you, brother. You know what I'm saying? I love you, brother, and everything. I don't care what you do in your bedroom, even though it might be a a good story for some people at some point and everything. But... (laughs) But like, you know, I love I love the fact that you're still here. And I was so happy that when you when I asked you to come on the show that you said yes. 
to come on the show because I want people to, I think that you're a great person and people should know all about you and all the great things that you're, you encompass so many different things. I could go on for like an hour. I could go on for like an hour, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to wrap it up and say Born in Trouble Tuesday talk with Carlos, Charlie, Lopez, Brentwood's finest, drag, drag queen, king, singer, <laughs> personal individual, and we just appreciate you and we love you so much and everything. And um, Born in Trouble, peace. Peace. I did it my <laughs> way. We're still recording. <laughs> I'm glad we got that. Bye-bye. Yeah.